0: Praise God. Give the Lord a praise today. You may be seated. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, worship team. appreciate that today worship leading us to the presence of the Lord. Thank you so much. Well, praise God. Uh, you got your Bible this morning. Amen. Open it up to the Gospel of Mark, if you would, please. Mark chapter 10. This morning, Mark chapter 10, and uh, we'll be reading a couple of verses, a few verses from Mark chapter 10. Then I'm going to read a verse from Mark chapter 14 and Luke chapter 18. Okay? Mark chapter 10, Mark chapter 14, and Luke chapter 18. Three different openings this morning um, to deal with. The subject matter that uh, the Lord has placed upon my heart today, all right? And uh, trust that it will be an encouragement and a blessing to you this morning. Are you there in Mark 10? Everybody there? There in Mark 10. Let's begin reading this morning with verse 23. Mark 10, 23. And Jesus looked around about and said to His disciples... How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? Now now notice and remember who's talking here. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. I happen to have a, a red letter edition, and the words are in red in mine, but whether they're in red or black, this is Jesus that is speaking in this passage. How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God. And this goes back to the message that I preached last Sunday morning concerning the rich young ruler. Remember him? Jesus told him to sell what he had and to distribute it to the poor and then he and follow him, take up his cross, follow him and he had treasures in heaven, and he went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. The sin was not what he had. The sin, the problem was not in the fact that he had possessions. The sin and the problem was in the fact that the possessions had him. They, they were controlled. They, they, the, the wealth had become a god in his life. And we see that a lot today in the, in the wealthy. And so here's what Jesus was saying, that it's how hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God. And the disciples were astonished at His words. Now why were they astonished at His words? They were astonished because the belief of the Jews in that day was this. They believed that riches and wealth was a sign of the favor of God and the blessing of God. And that riches guaranteed a person a place in the kingdom of heaven. That was the belief of that day. Um, The Pharisees believed that. The religious leaders of that day, they looked upon the poor and the needy as being outcasts, those who were, were not a part of the kingdom of God, those who were not saved. And so Jesus, the reason the disciples and those that hear this are astonished at what Jesus says is because Jesus is totally flipping upside down their theology right here. He's turning it topsy turvy is. <laughs> Amen. And so, you know, Jesus was good about doing that, taking, taking the philosophy or the 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 religious beliefs of the people of his day and just flipping it upside down. And I just want to say this that what Jesus is saying here and what he's teaching here is true. Because it I'm glad today that 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 my place in heaven is not based upon my bank account. Can I get an amen there? I'm glad today that it's not based upon my material possessions or my wealth and the favor of God, what I may or may not have or what a Christian may or may not have, that does not determine God's favor and love and blessing in your life. Amen? Praise God. There are poor people uh, that have nothing that are rich in faith, and we'll find that out in the book of James, rich in the things of God. Jesus told, "Oh, here I am going off now, and I had not even got to my text yet." But but Jesus talked to that church in in the book of Revelation, and I think was it? I I, I, I believe it was the church at Smyrna, but I may be wrong. But anyway, it was the church that he said that they were poor and they were in poverty. But then but then he said, but yet you are rich. Hallelujah, you're rich in the things of the Lord. So Jesus says, how hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God. It was the wealth that this young man had. It was, it was his love and his trust in the wealth and riches that kept him from following the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. Everybody that is saved has got to come through the same gate There's only one gate, only one door, only one way to get to heaven. And all of us, regardless of our social status, regardless of our financial status, all of us have to come through the same way. And that is through humbling ourselves and repenting before the Lord and accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and accepting and believing in what He did for us at Calvary. Well, praise the Lord. Now that's not because I'm doing it, but that's good preaching right there because that's what Jesus said. Amen? Where was I? All right, I'm still on verse 23. And his disciples, verse 24, his disciples were astonished at his words, but Jesus answereth again and saith to them, children, how hard is it for them? And here's the kicker for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And according to Weist, Kenneth Weist, the Greek scholar in his commentary, the word that Jesus used here referred to the eye of a sewing needle. Amen? Now, now, you know, there was a thing called the needle's eye in the gate of the city that that after hours, that uh, if someone came to get into the city after the gates were closed, they could unburden or unload all of the stuff off their camel, and the camel would get down on its knees and could barely fit through that, what they called the needle's eye. Well, that's a good illustration of how to get in, how to get saved. You've got to cast off everything and get low and humble yourself before God. And Jesus said, straight is the gate, narrow is the way that leads to life. Well, that's a good illustration. But nevertheless, the Greek says that he was referring to the actual needle's eye, the eye of a sewing needle. I can't even get a piece of thread through a needle's eye myself. Amen. Even with my glasses on, you know, not that, I, not that I do a whole lot of sewing or needlework or anything like that, but, but Jesus is, is giving them an illustration here of how hard, nearly impossible, for someone who, well, it is, okay, let me change that. For someone who trusts in their riches, it is impossible for them to enter the kingdom of heaven. Or for, for, for that matter, for someone who trusts in anything other than Jesus Christ and what He did at Calvary, it's impossible for them to enter into the kingdom of God. And verse 26 says again, And they were astonished out of measure. He's blowing their mind, Jesus is. Saying among themselves, now here's their question, Who then can be saved? Because their, their theology was that proved that they were saved because God had given them this wealth and riches and Jesus just shot that all to pieces. And then what the Lord does? He just shoots down our beliefs and our, our theologies and what we're, what we're trusting in. He, he, he has a way of just shooting that down and shooting down tradition that we're steeped in. And he, he, he did that to them and they said, who can be saved? And Jesus, verse 27, and this is my text, it says, and Jesus looking upon them saith, with men. Now they're asking, who can be saved if these all these rich folks are it's 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 almost impossible for them to be saved. Who can be saved? And Jesus said this, notice this verse. With men, it is impossible. Oh. With men, it is impossible. But hang on to your seat, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. For with God, all things are possible. I love that. Amen. Hallelujah. And then let me read to you. I don't know if I've got it in uh, I, I've, I've got it covered up, but do you have the 14th chapter? Jesus looking upon them? You got the 14th chapter? There you go. This is Jesus' prayer in the garden of Gethsemane. And he prays. There it is. I had it here. But anyway, he says, Abba, Father, all things, notice what he says in his prayer, all things are possible unto thee. How many believe that? He said, take away this cup from me. He's praying in his agony in Gethsemane. But then he said this, even though all things are possible to you, and I'm, I'm, I'm asking you if there's any other way, take this cup from me, but then he says this, nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou will. That's the place you and I have to come in, uh, into in our walk, in our relationship with God, that it's not what I want or what I will or what I desire, but my will has to be lost in God's will. Amen. Still knowing that God can do all things and all things are possible to Him. And then in Luke chapter 18 again in verse 27, Jesus says the same thing and He said this. He said, and, and Jesus said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. I can think of a lot of things today um, many, many things that are impossible with men, but those things are still possible with God. And I think it's um, interesting to note that just three—that there are three different occasions that I've mentioned here and read to you from the scriptures this morning—that um, that three different times Jesus used this phrase and talked about how that that all things with god with god all things are possible with men it is impossible but with god all things are possible. Jeremiah said the very same thing, and I think you're familiar with Jeremiah, chapter 32, verse 17. Jeremiah, in his prayer, cried out to the Lord, and Jeremiah said, Oh, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power, and by thy stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. There is nothing too hard for thee. Job said basically the same thing in Job chapter 42. And verse number 2, when Job said this after going through uh, uh, and still was in a time of testing and trial and had been going through for a period of several months, a time of severe testing, <clears throat> Job said this concerning the Lord. He said, I know that you can do everything. Everything. I know that you, I want you to get a hold of that this morning. I know, how many can say that about the Lord this morning? I know you can do everything, amen. And I'm going to tell you, He is the only one that this is said of, that He can do everything, amen. We need to kind of make sure our terminology is right, and that we're that we're like Job. That we're saying of the Lord, you uh, God can and not can God. Amen. Uh, I, Brother Butch mentioned one time uh, the first sermon he ever heard me preach years several years ago was faith comes in cans. That was the the title of the message, Faith Comes in Cans. And it was from Psalm 78, I believe, where the children of Israel had begun to question God and said, Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Can God help us in our our situation? And they began to doubt God and they said, Well, we don't know if God can do anything or not. After all that God had done for them, they, they, they still questioned God and said, Can God do anything but God wants us to change that can God into a God can amen he is able to do what you need him to do in your life today and the things that are impossible to man and that are impossible in the the natural realm are not impossible with God for with God all things are possible can I get an amen amen There is nothing, ladies and gentlemen, there is nothing today that is beyond the the ability of God to accomplish. We need to uh, establish that fact in our hearts and in our minds today that there is nothing beyond God's ability. He has no limitations other than what limitations we place on Him to do what He wants to do in our own hearts and in our own lives. But God's power is an unlimited power. His ability is unlimited. We're talking about the God who created the universe. We're talking about the God, and that's what Jeremiah cried out and said when he thought about God and he said, behold, you've made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your stretched out arm." What happened? There we go. When he began to think about the the power that was displayed in the creation of the universe, when he began to think about God's stretched out hand and God's mighty power, and he looked up and he saw the sun and the moon and the stars and the heavens, hallelujah, he said, there's nothing too hard for you. If you can create the universe, if you can create man, if you can hang the world on nothing, if you're the God that rides upon the winds, hallelujah, there's nothing that you cannot do. There's nothing that you cannot accomplish in our life. And God specializes in the impossible today. I still believe that today. We're not supporting the doctrine of cessationism that says that God stopped answering prayer and that God stopped performing miracles and that God stopped healing the sick. I believe that Jesus Christ is still the same today and forever. Somebody said, do you believe in divine healers? No, I don't believe in divine healers, but I believe there is one healer and his name is Jesus and he is still the same today as he ever was. Praise God. Amen? He has unlimited power, and there's nothing that he can't do. And a good evangelist friend of ours, uh, Brother Eddie Dissatel, preached uh, 21 revivals, I believe, in my uncle's church at Cape over the years. And uh, Brother Eddie had a song he used to sing. And some of y'all remember Brother Eddie. He came and preached for us over at the other church. And Brother Eddie had a song that he would sing entitled, There's Nothing My God Can't Do. That song said, He measures the sea in the palm of His hands. Mountains were placed at His command. At the sound of His voice, the sun shone through. And there's nothing, no, there's nothing that my God can't do. Oh, saints of God, I believe that's true even today in 2020. Amen. When you've got people saying that God is dead, when you You've got people saying that God can't do anything, when you've got the devil touting everything today and touting his power in this world today, I believe we need to be some Christians that will rise up and will say God is still God and God is still real and God is still on the throne. And there's nothing too hard and there's nothing impossible with our God. Amen? Nothing impossible with Him. All things are Possible with the Lord. Now, in light of that, and I believe that with all of my heart today. And uh, things do happen in our lives. Things do come our way. Uh, we do experience situations in our lives that limit our ability, maybe, to see the work of God clearly and to see. Uh, who He is and what He wants to do and can do for us. Yes. Things happen in our lives that limit our ability to see God's work clearly. And the weight of our problems many times can bring us to a point of giving up or saying, what's the use? And, uh, but can I tell you, that's, that's the thoughts that the enemy tries to put in our mind. It's the, the, the enemy of our soul that tells us those things. There's been plenty of opportunities in my walk with the Lord and in my life and things that we've experienced and went through that I have questioned the Lord. I'm not going to stand here and say, I wished I could. Brother Mike, I wished I could stand up here and say, you know, all we've went through, we've never once questioned the Lord. I wished I could say that, but um, I'd be telling an untruth if I told you that because there have been many times that I've gotten in my prayer closet and gotten before the Lord and wept bitter tears and said, Lord, I don't understand this situation. Why did this happen? Why this? Why that? But you know what? That doesn't change the facts of who God is and what God can do and what He will do in our lives if we will just trust in Him. Can I get an amen? Now, in view of what Jesus said here, that there's nothing too hard for God, that there's nothing impossible with God, and that all things are possible with Him, I want to say, first of all, this morning, that with God, there's not one person. Since all things are possible to Him, and since nothing is impossible, and by the way, that word impossible needs to be a word that we take out of our our Christian vocabulary. Vocabulary. amen that needs to kind of be cut And when, when you're dealing with God when you're dealing with the creator of the, of the universe and your heavenly father you need to just cut that word impossible out of your vocabulary but when we think about the, the, um, the things that are possible with God I want you to understand this morning number one that there is that there is not a single person that God cannot save and bring into the kingdom of God Amen. Nobody is beyond redemption and nobody is beyond the point that God cannot save them. Now, I know there are some people you're probably thinking of right now, maybe somebody in your family that you're thinking of saying, well, I don't know. That that person's pretty close to the edge of maybe being at that place where I don't think God could reach them and I don't think God could touch them. And that's the context of this verse that we're using for our text this morning was what Jesus said concerning that rich young ruler that that so astonished the disciples that they said, well, you know, if if, if it's so hard for the rich to be saved and we were always taught that that was the favor of God and that the rich were the ones that had a place in the kingdom of God and if that's not so and Jesus has said that that's not so and they said who then can be saved have you ever had somebody that you knew personally, or somebody in your family, or somebody in your life that you that you thought that about? You thought, can they ever be saved? Maybe the more you prayed for them, maybe the more you 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 witnessed to them, and 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 everything you know that 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 the the harder they seemed to get. Anybody ever experienced that? The worse they seemed to get. The more you'd pray, the more you'd intercede, the more you'd request prayer for them at church. It seemed like the farther away from the Lord that they'd become. Anybody ever experienced that? I don't you know I've given you my my uh, own experience in the past and told you how that my family, my 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 mom and my grandma and my uncle and and aunts and all of our family I know they were praying for me I know I did things before I got saved when I was away from the Lord I did things that, that made them mad at me but they never stopped praying for me and you know what the more they prayed for me it did seem like the farther away from God I got the more they prayed for me it did seem that the worse I got and the more I would turn against the Lord. My grandma would invite me to to church probably about every Saturday night. Are you going to church tomorrow? I'd say, no, I'm not going to church. Don't ask me to go to church. I don't want anything to do with church. But you know what? That didn't stop her from asking me. And I can tell you what? It sure did not stop her from praying for me. Because she knew, hallelujah, I'm about to shout. She knew that there was a God on the throne that even when it looked impossible and I knew and she knew and I know that the devil was telling her oh he'll never be saved I've got his soul and he'll never come to God but thank God she didn't give up and she didn't stop because with God nothing is impossible I'm standing on this platform this morning preaching the word of almighty God because there was some family that would not give up me. Oh, They knew that all things were possible with the Lord. Woo! Amen. I had a cousin that interceded for me and she had told me that she took my picture one time and interceded over that picture for hours at a time for God to save me, for God to deliver me. Oh, hallelujah. If I could just encourage somebody today, don't give up on that loved one, that son, that daughter, that child. Don't give up because with God all things are possible. I don't care How mean they are, I don't care. How far away they are, I don't care. What kind of sin they're involved in or what their lifestyle is. With God, all things are possible. He can save their soul. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. The Bible says that that he saves them, he, ever, he is able to save them in Hebrews 7.25. That He is able to save to the uttermost. Oh, hallelujah. I always say this, He's, he's able to save from the guttermost to the uttermost. Praise God. He saves to the uttermost them who come unto God by the Lord Jesus Christ. Doesn't matter how how bad a person is. I like William's translation of Hebrews 7.25 because William's translation said he is able to save completely any and all that come to God through Jesus Christ. To save completely, I like that word. He doesn't do a halfway job, but he saves completely. If I were to ask this morning, if I were to ask this morning for a show of hands and I won't do that, but I just want you to think in your mind this morning um, to your life before you were a Christian. Some were raised in, a fam- in church. Some were raised, you know, in a Christian home. But, but there's others today, probably in this service this morning, that ha- before you were saved were bound by alcohol. Some that probably maybe were bound by drugs were under a, an addiction of drugs, maybe hard drugs, maybe, maybe a meth addiction, maybe a cocaine addiction maybe a heroin addiction but, but, uh, but, but nevertheless you're in this service this morning and, and maybe you're here this morning and you, you, you were involved in, in all kinds of ungodly ungodly lifestyle but you're here in this service this morning and, and Jesus Christ has, has given you a new lease on life and Jesus Christ has turned your life around and changed your life see listen to me it doesn't matter and we look at those who are on drugs and we look at those who are bound by alcohol and we look at those who have went through the programs and 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 the and the the, the rehab programs and, and you know I, I don't want to knock everything I know there's probably some good that is done but I, I, the, the, listen the 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 success rate of the majority of uh, of the of the rehabilitation programs drug and alcohol rehabilitation programs is very minute very minimal uh, Teen Challenge has the greatest has. Has the, has the highest success rate in in getting men and women, young men and women, free from drugs and from alcohol and from all kinds of sin. And the reason they're so successful is because they link it with the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they get those young men and women born again and get them saved. But, but, but my point is this, see, who then can be saved? They said, who then can come to the Lord? Who then can be saved? Hallelujah, and Jesus said, well, with men, it's impossible. With, with an alcohol rehab program, it's impossible. When you're depending on that alone, that cannot deliver and it cannot save. But thank God, with Jesus and with God, all things are possible. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what kind of lifestyle you've had, nobody, nobody, nobody is beyond the redeeming blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. With God all things are possible and everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved and delivered. Woo! Glory to God. But with man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. My Lord, there's more preaching here than I got time to do. The Apostle Paul, the man that wrote the majority of the New Testament. Two-thirds of it that penned those wonderful letters and those epistles had the revelation of the cross that was given to him by the Lord Jesus Christ went on missionary journeys saw scores of people saved. Let me tell you something. This church right here and every church in America every church on this continent is a direct result of the missionary journeys of of the Apostle Paul. When he went to Philippi and began that church at Philippi, the first convert was Lydia, the seller of purple, the first convert on the, on the European continent, which every Christian and every church on this, uh, on this continent is, is, is stems from that. But the Apostle Paul and his great ministry and his great life. But you all know the story of how he was before. Hallelujah, the Apostle Paul was, was a man that... He was a member of the Sanhedrin. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. And he hated Jesus Christ. And he hated the gospel. And he hated that new way. And he hated Christians with a passion. He did everything he could to destroy that early New Testament church. How many knows that's right? Hallelujah. By his own admission, by his own testimony, he caused Christians to blaspheme. He had some put to death. He had many put in prison. He was the one who was wreaking havoc in the early church in the book of Acts. But the Bible says concerning Paul as he was breathing, breathing out slaughters against the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I just happen to believe that there was some people in that church, there was some saints in that church that was praying about that old boy. He's causing all kinds of trouble and it looked impossible if there was anybody that could not change. If there was anybody that was so vehemently opposed to the work of God, it it was Saul of Tarsus. There's no way he could ever be changed. But I'm telling you one day, even after he had consented to the martyrdom of Stephen, he was on his way to Damascus with letters in his hand, hallelujah, to arrest and to lock up every Christian that was there in Damascus. But something happened on the road to Damascus oh hallelujah something happened on the road to Damascus because about noontime there was a light shone out of heaven that was brighter than the noonday sun and knocked him off his horse don't wait till God knocks you down Oh, come to an altar today and make Jesus the Lord of your life he knocked him. The power of God came on Saul and knocked him plumb off his horse. A light shone from heaven on him, blinded him, and a voice came out of heaven. I'm telling you, God, had, the Lord had had enough of that guy. Oh, don't wait till the Lord's fed up. It's time to come to Jesus now. Amen. The Lord spoke to him and said, Saul, Saul, Why are you persecuting me? There's there's a wealth of information right there. So you know what that's. Jesus takes the persecution of his church very personally because the church is the body of Christ and when you persecute the body of Christ the church on earth you're persecuting Jesus and Jesus said why are you persecuting me and Saul said who are you Lord he said I am Jesus whom you are persecuting it is hard for you to kick against the goads the Holy Ghost was dealing with him but he was kicking against it he was he was going on in his own way but God got a Hold of him on the Damascus Road and knocked him off his horse. And right there on that Damascus Road, this old church persecutor, this guy that had caused, was causing the church so much havoc, God saved him right there and changed his life and sent him into the city of Damascus to wait on a man by the name of Ananias to come in and lay hands on him and pray for him that he might be healed and filled with the Holy Ghost I was going to stay I was going to be dignified this morning. Did you see how long that lasted? the <laughs> Lord I love that story. I love it. Because, because it said that Ananias was a disciple of the Lord. He lived there in Damascus, he was in prayer and in a vision the Lord spoke to him in a vision and said, Ananias, he said, here I am. He said, I want you to go down to Straight Street. See, and you know when I read that, it just thrills my soul because that was the first place that the Lord put Saul after he saved him was he put him on straight street. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Wasn't that the name of the street? Yeah, that was the name of the street. But I just, I just, it the listen, the Holy Ghost knows what he's doing. Hallelujah, can't you see that? Go to a, go into the city to a street called straight and there you'll find a man by the name of Saul and he's there praying. And I want you to go in and lay your hands on him that he may be healed and filled with the Holy Spirit. See, when God gets a hold of you, He puts you on straight street. Straight is the way. Straight is the gate. Woo! Oh, man. Hallelujah. Well, Saul, or I'm sorry, Ananias going to have a little argument with the Lord. Uh, I know nobody here has ever argued with the Lord. Nobody has, have you? I mean, every time the Lord speaks to you, it's like, here I am, Lord, I'm ready. Uh, Oh, help us Jesus. But but Ananias said, now, Lord, we, yeah, we know, I know who this dude is. And I know what he's done to the church and to all those who are in the way or in your way. And and he's here. I mean, the word was already out. He's here at Damascus with letters to lock us up, put us in jail. He was a mean dude. He's a mean dude. I'm, that's, that's Rick Hensley translation. He's a, he's a mean dude. Lord, I, I don't want nothing to do with him. I can't uh, go to where he is, but... The Lord told Ananias, I said, you go. He's a chosen vessel of mine. He's praying. He's, he has already seen a vision. And he's already saw a man by the name of Ananias coming in, laying hands on him. He's already seen. You know, when God works, he works on both ends. You know, when, when somebody comes to me and says, well, Brother Rick, here's what the Lord told me about you. And if I ain't heard nothing, I say, well, I, he ain't told me yet. He always works on both ends. There's a connection on both ends. And that's a whole other sermon. But anyway, he said, he said, he's already seen you coming and praying for him. And Ananias went in to where he was, found Straight Street, found the house, the, the place where Saul was, and he went in and he, he said, Brother Saul. That was the first thing he called him was brother. Yeah. Brother Saul, the persecutor of the church, is now... changed man. And he said brother Saul The Lord, even Jesus, who appeared to you in the way, has spoke to me and appeared to me and told me to come and lay hands on you and pray for you. And he prayed for him and the scales fell off his eyes. He was healed and he arose and he went out and was baptized. And listen to this. Here he came with persecution. He came breathing threats and he came breathing slaughter. But the Bible said that after that visitation of the Lord on the road to Damascus, after Ananias came and left, it said that immediately he went out He went out and he preached that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I'm talking about a transformation. I'm talking about a man that it was impossible to reform. He thought he was right. He knew he was right. He was persecuting in the name of God, destroying the church. But I'm telling you, what is impossible with man is possible with God. There's nobody beyond salvation. There's nobody beyond redemption. There's nobody beyond forgiveness. If if you will come to the Lord Jesus Christ, he'll wash you, he'll cleanse you, he'll forgive you, he'll change you, he'll turn your life around, he'll set you on straight street, on the straight and narrow way. Hallelujah. There's nothing impossible with the Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Nothing impossible. Who then can be saved? Well, with man, nobody. With religion, nobody. With turning over a new leaf, nobody. With making New Year's resolutions, nobody. I imagine most of them resolutions done gone by now. It's the end of February. Amen. (laughs) With man, it's impossible. But not with God. For with God, all things are possible to those who will believe. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, man. Jesus is the Savior come back tonight let me finish this I got five points and this is just one so this we'll continue it tonight but I, but I listen you can't think about the transforming power of Christ without also thinking about the demoniac of Gadara You remember that story in Mark. We preached on that back a few months ago, back five chapters ago when we were in Mark chapter 5. But how that the Lord went across the Sea of Galilee and He landed in the country of the Gadarenes. And there in the land of the Gadarenes, He and the disciples got off the boat and they came ashore. And immediately there met Him a man from the tombs that lived among the tombs, that was possessed by a devil and had a legion. And I've said it wrong before, and we all have, but we've said that he was possessed by a legion of demons. And actually, that's not what the scripture says. It said that he was possessed by a devil and had a legion. Once, once that main demon gets possession and control, he opens the door for others to come in. There's actually one demon possessing that person, but then others come in and are working in control of that life. But he had a legion and was, he, he, he was possessed by a demon. The Bible said that he wouldn't wear clothes. He was streaking before streaking became popular years ago. Some of y'all say, what's that? That was back in the seventies. I'm giving my age away now. But he wouldn't wear any clothes. He lived in the tombs. He lived among the dead. He wouldn't stay home. He cried at night and he cut himself with stones. He was tormented by the demon powers of hell. He was... Many, many times they tried to tame him. The Bible said that the men of that community would, Brother Jim, they would, they would bind him with chains and, and bind him with fetters and they would, try to, they would try to restrain him because he was wild. He was out of control. Why? Because he was, he was under the control of demon spirits. And maybe not to this degree, but everybody, listen to me, church, everybody that is in the world of darkness today that is not in Christ, everyone who is not saved and under the blood of Jesus is not possessed by demons, but they are under the control of evil spirits that's why sinners do what they do they're controlled by the powers of darkness by the prince and the power of the air it's the spirit that works in the children of disobedience and the only way to be transformed and changed is through the lord jesus christ amen because with man it's impossible These men had bound him, tried to chain him, tried to restrain him, tried to tie him down, tried to tame him. And the scripture said that no man could tame him. Couldn't tame him. He was wild. But when he saw Jesus, (laughs) the Bible said that he ran And he fell down at the feet of the master. Hallelujah. And, and and the, of course, the demon spirit spoke through him and, and said, you know, have you come to torment us before the time? But he fell before the master. He, when he sold you, there was something. He wasn't all gone because there was something still on the inside of him that said, oh, I want to be free and that's the man, that's the one. He's the one that can set me free from this bondage today. He fell at the feet of the Master, and Jesus said, What is your name? And he said, My name is Legion. The demon speaking through him said, My name is Legion, for we are many. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. And you know the story that with one word, Jesus commanded the evil spirits that were possessing this man. When no man could tame him, when no man could bind him, when no man could change him, when no rehabilitation could rehabilitate him, Jesus drove those demons out of that man that day. Hallelujah. They, they said, Lord, don't send us. They, they said, Jesus, don't send us out. The demons did. Don't send us out of the country. We kind of like it here. You know, there are, demons are territorial. I pray that we'd have such a Holy Ghost filled church here in, a, in Farmington and in the mineral area that every church here in this mineral area gets so full of God, so full of the Holy Ghost, so full of the power of God that the demons in this area would say, we gotta go somewhere else. They felt at home in Gadara. They said, don't send us out of here. We feel kind of home here. But, but let us go into those swine. Let us go into those hogs. I heard herd of hogs there. Now that ought to tell you something. The devil's second choice is a pig. He's got to have a body. They're disembodied spirits. They have to have a body to operate in. They said, "Permit us." Oh, I tell you what, I I got to I got to quit. They said, "Permit us to go into the swine." In other words, they can't do nothing unless Jesus gives them the permission. Come on, somebody. Or somebody said, the devil made me do it. No, the devil didn't make you do it. You got Jesus. If you got Jesus on the inside of you, Jesus tells the devil he's got to go. Jesus tells the devil he's got to stop. Jesus tells the devil he's got to quit. And when Jesus says it's so, it is so. Can I get an amen? Oh, hallelujah. Let us go into those pigs. And Jesus said, Matthew records it this way. Go! I don't even think he said it that loud, Brother Terry. I just think authoritatively he said, go. And immediately, immediately, those, that legion of demon spirits immediately left that man's body. And just that fast, he was totally transformed and changed. What man had tried to do by taming and binding and, cor- and correcting and, and rehabilitating and had failed to do, in one split second, Jesus did it just like that. And the Bible said they came out to see that man who was possessed and who had the legion and they found him sitting, not screaming, not crying, not cutting, not pulling his hair out, not all messed up. They now found him sitting. He's in perfect peace. And they found him not naked, not streaking, not running around with no clothes on, but they found him sitting and clothed. And not crazy and not wild and not doing stupid stuff, but they found him sitting and clothed and in his right mind, hallelujah, You know what that tells me? That before Jesus comes into my life, before Jesus came into our life, we were not in our right mind. But when Jesus comes in, he gives us our right mind. He gives us the mind of Christ. He makes he makes us different. Hallelujah. Who then can be saved? I can tell you who can be saved. Anybody that will trust in Jesus. Anybody that will not trust. Not trust in your own works. Not trusting in your own righteousness. Not trusting in your own abilities. But if you will put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did for you at the cross of Calvary, he'll save you. He'll change you. He'll He'll cleanse you, He'll wash you. With man it's impossible, but not with God. For with God all things, all things are possible, hallelujah. Oh, bow your heads with me this morning. Dear Jesus, we love you. We thank you, we worship you, we praise you. Oh, thank you today for your precious Holy Spirit.